Welcome to episode two of Strong Body Fit Mind. I'm Katie Ferguson. I'm Nathan Ferguson. And today we're talking small changes, big results. Because at the end of the day, if you want change, then something's got to change. It doesn't have to be this monumental life shift, all or nothing mindset, right? Refer to last episode for that. But we do need to make changes. And today we're going to talk about how to make these changes sustainable in your life. And I love the I love the idea of setting an intention. But the thing is, though, intention has a lot of mental and emotional energy. But we need that physical, consistent follow through that action. And this is what that's about. This is about creating that concrete change. So think about being on vacation and you get a rental car. You get off the airplane, you get a rental car. And you get in a rental car, you put your seatbelt on, pull out of the thing, and it starts raining. And you're looking for the windshield wipers. And it's one of those things where it's like hard to find it at first. And you're like turning on the turn signal. Yeah. <laughs> <You've both been laughs> there. Turning on the turn signal. You accidentally touch the parking brake. Something like that happens, right? So hopefully not. But eventually we find the windshield wiper. And we turn it on and it's fine. And the next time we get in the car, hopefully it's not raining your whole vacation, but the next time you get in the car, it's easier to find it. Maybe it takes just one or two tries to find it. And then by the third time you get in the car and it's raining, the windshield wipers are almost automatic thing. And so that's what we want these habits to become in our lives too. We want these habits to become almost automatic. You can even think about going into a room, like a person's house that you've never been in before, and you're kind of like searching for the light switch to light up a room. You want these habits to become like a light switch. Just flipping a light switch is part of your life. It takes all of the mental work out of your day. And an interesting thing about that is that we can actually change our instinctual pattern. And I see this a lot with combat veterans and police where their natural instinct may be more protective or aggressive. And we can work on that to be able to keep that that readiness and high alertness for when it needs to be there. But we can actually help them shift to this calmer, this more relaxed, more ready, high state of readiness versus this high state of hypervigilance. The thing is, is that that level of repetition, we need that repetition over and over and over again because that habit actually becomes a behavior, actually graduates into your instincts. It drives it actually into your physiological structure. So we talk a lot about the, the subconscious here and there and there's different aspects of the subconscious. There's the physiological, biological aspect. There's the mental subconscious and there's the emotional subconscious, like your your basic average litmus test of where your emotions are on any one given day in any one given situation. And we can actually begin to train the biology to respond in a particular way to a particular type of stimulus. And so that's where we're steering this conversation is working on finding simple, easy things that help create the building blocks of massive change. Because those building blocks, when they're stacked on top of each other, are going to compound, right? You think of one tiny little shift in your life. It's just one little block, right? We have two kids and blocks are very popular in our house. So I'm thinking like building a tower. So you have one block at the bottom. You're like, okay, I'm just going to do this one small thing. Yeah. But then you're adding another day of doing that thing. Then you're adding another day of doing that thing. And eventually you get this tower that is indestructible, right? We've built a strong foundation, a strong base. We're just adding these habits to our life to capitalize on them. So we have all this, we have all this head knowledge. Now, how do we do that? How do we actually pivot and turn and make this actionable? Great question, Nathan Ferguson. First thing we want to do is I'm taking these straight out of James Clear book, 
Atomic Habits. And if you follow me on Instagram, I talk about this all the time because he is just a genius and it breaks it down super simple. So first one, he says the first law on how to create a good habit is to make it obvious. And the thing I really like about this part is using habit stacking. So he talks about stacking habits to things that you're already doing every day in your life. So if you make a list, like say you wake up in the morning and you have 10 things that you do. If you're a parent, you probably have a million and a half things to do. And you're going to make a list of what you're already doing every single day without fail. It's probably something like getting up, going to the bathroom, brushing your teeth, putting on your coffee, maybe taking any medication or supplements that you have. Like those are things you do every single morning. Get dressed, hopefully. I don't know if you're a stay-at-home mom, you might not stay in your jammies all day. (laughs) But looking at what you're currently doing and then stacking a habit on top of that. So what that looks like is taking a current habit, let's just take an easy one, like making coffee or tea or whatever kind of hot beverage or beverage you have in the morning. And we're going to stack something on top of that. So let's say I want to increase my water intake. So after I put on my pot of coffee or make my coffee, I'm going to have eight ounces of water. And when you pair a habit or a new habit or a new change in your life with something that you're already doing, it becomes a little bit easier. The second law that James Clear talks about in his book, Atomic Habits, is make it attractive. So in order to build a good habit, we have to make it attractive. I remember when our first child was born, we went from zero to children to one children, which is a huge upheaval in your regular regimen and routine. There was a flood of emotions and it was really busy and no one slept. But I remember I was coming to the end of my two or three weeks of leave and I was exhausted. My wife was exhausted, of course. Everybody was tired. The only person that was sleeping was our newborn child. Kind of. She was kind of sleeping. (laughs) But what I was trying to work out in my head was that I, I knew exhaustion and I knew being tired, but... I was trying to find a new level of depth of commitment to do what needed to be done. The dishes needed to be done. The All of the household chores needed to be done. And I was doing them, but I found my emotions were kind of begrudgingly doing them. I wanted to be, I didn't want to just do them. I wanted to crush it. I wanted to excel at it. I wanted to do them joyously. I wanted to be a pillar of strength that overflows with this excitement and leadership and courage and consistency. And that was not my emotional state. I thought being, having been in the infantry and been in Afghanistan and done all of that, that I would be really, really good at this sleep deprivation. And I could do that part, but what I didn't realize is that in infantry, everybody's kind of pissed. Everybody's kind of upset. Everybody's kind of angsty. And I didn't realize that, yeah, I could do that physically, but I wanted to do it with joy, with happiness, with kindness, gentleness, sweetness. And so I was sitting there. This is a really, really big soul searching moment for me. This is a huge, huge part to recap those those couple of weeks where uh, we were transitioning into a three person family. And during that contemplation, that hard contemplation for multiple days, I, I really did some some soul searching on this. I realized that for me, suddenly it came to my mind. I realized that for me, it was being an infantry officer, being a leader, that that doing the dishes was doing the, the leadership quality that I needed to do. That was being a true leader. We often think that true leaders, they get to do all the glamorous things. And sure, a lot of those glamorous things are hard, but leaders, true leaders do what needs done. And at that moment, that was the role that I needed to take, the role that really, that was the leak in the boat. And that's what needed to be plugged. And when I began to understand this on a deeper level, yes, I'm reframing it psychologically in my mind. But for me, I'm accessing a deeper truth about it. It's not just this casual cognitive behavioral therapy. Let's restructure that thought so we can feel better feelings about it. 
for me, it was digging deeper into an actual deeper, no crap truth about what's actually happening and what needs to happen. So then that naturally intrinsically motivated me to commit to those actions, to commit to those things that needed to be done. And that was very, very, very attractive to me. And from the other side of that, it was very helpful. Yeah. And it was cool. I, I took over, I remember I took over all uh, diaper changing duties when I was yeah. physically present. And it actually, in the beginning, I got to build a system around it. And I love systematization. Oh, yes, and I got to build this protocol. And I did the protocol and it felt good to do the protocol and the repetition and the, the OCD and the ADHD and all that. It, it just felt good to run through that process. But eventually I found that it was actually this really special time for me and our new daughter, because of course, all the the child wants for the first 18 months really is the mother and to be fed. And so it was this really cool opportunity to begin to peek into and, and look behind the curtain of what our future relationship would be and begin to build that and the building blocks of that. And it was actually this wound up being this very fruitful experience. And going off of that, if we talk about protocols, I'm going to tell this story really quick. So the first time our daughter went number two in the bathtub, Nathan called me in and he's like, <laughs> he's like, I don't, what do I do? She pooped in the bathtub. And I was like, well, let's, let's, let's fix it. Let's do it. And he's like, I, he just stared at me like dead blank. Just goes, I don't know the protocol for this. I had no relative experience to draw from. And I was doing my best. Like what needs to happen first? Like I know what needs to happen. I know what needs to be done, but like, what do I action on first? I don't, I was stuck in this. I don't, I don't know. Like, let's get her out of the tub. Step one, let's drain the water. We got to bleach the bathtub, all the things. But it was just funny. So, yes, this man does like protocols. Yeah. So that, yeah. Was, that is very attractive to him. Yes, it is. So moving on to the third law, make it easy. What we want to do here is to reduce the friction, prime your environment, and then master the decisive moment. There's an also a little trick that he talks about in the book called um, the two-minute rule. And so I want to touch on these because when we're changing our lives, it can be so overwhelming and, like, consuming. But if we take steps to make it easy, it's going to be more sustainable in the long run. So reduce friction. We want to decrease the number of steps between you and the good habit. So let's say you, let's just take the water example. You want to drink more water. Instead of having your water cup in the cabinet, let's say the night before you get it out and you put it right next to your coffee maker. Then in the morning when you're making your coffee, you are reminded exactly right there to get your water, fill it with water while it's, or get your cup, fill it with water and drink your water while you are drinking, making your coffee. Second one is prime the environment. So if you are trying to watch, let's say what you're eating or trying to eat healthier or whatever that looks like for you, if you have a cookie cake on the table, leftover cookie cake or cookies that you brought home from work or Halloween candy, Christmas candy, whatever is on your kitchen counter, chances are your kitchen's probably in the central location of your house and you're going to be walking past that all the time. So your environment is already set up for you to kind of give into those temptations, right? We only have so much willpower that we can, that we have throughout the day. So priming your environment, making sure that your surrounding areas support whatever your goal is. And the opposite of that can be true as well to make negative habits or things that you want to limit or reduce harder to access. And I know one of the, one of the, it's not a frequent complaint, but it's not necessarily uncommon where the dad or the, the guy that I'm working with, he may have a tendency to play video games when he could be otherwise engaging himself in family activities or supportive tasks for the household. And one of the ways that we help mitigate that is actually after every video game session, 
everything is unhooked. It's wrapped up and made pretty. It's it's not just thrown in a corner. It's actually put away nice in a separate room and it has its own little home. So then each time, you know, the, the guy wants to play that, he has to actually get it out and put it up. So it's a more conscious thing. It's not just as fleeting, oh, I'm gonna sit down, pick up this controller and start playing. It's actually, it requires more time. It requires a couple minutes setup, which is enough time to delay. And, and that setup helps him check his own internal balance. Do I need to do this task, this task, this task? And it helps him delay and it helps him reflect, do I need to do this task or that task first? Absolutely. So the opposite of that obviously would be increasing the friction, right? It's going to be a lot harder to unwind those cords, plug them in, as opposed to just picking up the controller and getting to work. Last two, I want to talk about the master the decisive moment. So this to me rings so true because I am working out at 5 a.m. now. And so there is a moment after my alarm goes off and I have about five minutes to decide if I'm going to go to the gym or not. And it's in that moment that makes all the difference in the world. And so you have to master that decisive moment. When my alarm goes off, I have to think in my brain, it is time to get up. So mastering that moment, and that changes my whole kind of trajectory of the day, honestly. My alarm goes off, I decide, I make that decision to either get up or to not. And for the guys, Kobe Bryant talks about this in his interviews a lot where his his consistent quote is, he doesn't negotiate with himself. That when he's in the off season and he sets his new training standard for the off season to adjust to his perceived weaknesses that he can work on, that the team can work on, he doesn't get six weeks into his training cycle and be like, well, this is a little too intense. I'm going to back off. He said, no, those are all excuses and justifications. So in that moment, the alarm goes off. There's no more negotiation. Unless you are violently ill or something, you're going to get up and you're going to do what you said to do. Because not only does that help us follow through and build more habits, but that actually is a feedback loop for confidence, for satisfaction, for fulfillment. Because when we do hard things and we complete those hard things, a lot of endorphins, a lot of dopamine gets released in our brain. We start to feel better about ourselves. That is one of the building blocks, the core building blocks to that mythical self-esteem. The last one in the make it easy category would be to use the two minute rule. And for this, it's really downscaling your habits and until they can be done or two minutes or less. And I love this one for someone that is just getting back into working out or just getting into movement in general. Because the task of like an hour workout or a 30 minute workout even, or even like a 20 minute walk can be so daunting at times. James Clears talks about this as in the two minute rule for anything. So whether that's even like going for a walk or going to the gym, you maybe will just get your shoes on for the two minutes. You complete two minutes of it and then stop. Because when you stop, it's going to automatically either make you want more or make not make that task feel so daunting next time you do it. What you're doing is you're really exposing yourself to that discomfort. You're not giving yourself a hundred units of discomfort or uncomfortability all at once, you're giving yourself 15 units. And then you do it again, another 15 units, another 15 units. Before you know it, you've stacked a hundred units over the course of 10 days. And then you can do something a little bit more aggressive that may be 50 units. And, and when we piece it together like that, we don't have to have this Herculean strength and this this intense, crazy discipline because we, we see these people that have this 
what appears to be wild, unlimited amount of discipline, what they have done is stacked their discipline and stacked their units of discipline. Again, if we, from last episode, we have this container in front of us. If we continue to stack 15 units of discipline every single day, at the end of 10 years, we are going to have a tremendous amount of discipline. These people that we see that appear to just be mechanistic and robotic and be able to crush it every day, they didn't just, they didn't just appear that way. They stacked it just like we stacked it. They may have a little bit more of an assertive tendency, which they may be able to do eight 18 units instead of 15 units, but it's not that they're doing a thousand units and we're doing 15. It's these small micro units that we're working with. That is the that is the unsexy, boring part of being what appears to be really sexy and awesome. Absolutely. And I think that is the big misconception with even strength training, right? We see these people that are super strong or, you know, all our PRs and all our heavy lifts are going on Instagram or on social media. But what we're not seeing is all of the behind the scenes work, right? I've been lifting for almost 10 over 10 years. It's those day in and day out, constant discipline and action that gets you to where you are. Absolutely. And I see it. We're doing this strong dad program and I see it. I might film a, a strength, a, a strength rep or a couple reps and send it to my buddy because I know that he's doing deadlifts too. And, and he may say something like, I, you know, you, that's a lot of weight, all this stuff. And what he doesn't understand in this particular instance is that while I might be lifting 40, 50% more than him and not that I'm amazing or anything, it's, it's literally, he's been strength training for two years and I've been strength training for more than 10, maybe closer to 15 years. That's it. That's it. It's the it's the 15 units every day, every week, every month. Awesome. So the fourth law of James Clear, how to create a good habit is to make it satisfying. So we need to use reinforces sometimes, right? Think about brushing your teeth, right? Yes, there is in the long run, we don't, we brush our teeth because we don't want to get cavities. There's all of that. But your toothpaste probably has some kind of mint flavoring or some kind of flavoring to it. And when you're done brushing your teeth, it actually feels really refreshing. It's satisfying. That's why we can, that's one of the reasons why we continue to do it. So then apply that method to nutrition and fitness. One of the ways you might do this is to use a habit tracker, keeping track of your habits and you don't want to break the chain. And so one of my favorite things to do is I have a couple different habit, habit trackers that I actually use and I put it on the refrigerator if I'm really trying to work on something that's not an automatic habit yet. Put it on the refrigerator so I see it all the time or on a cabinet or in your bathroom, wherever you kind of frequent. And whenever you complete the habit for the day that you're working on, you put a big X across that day. And Jerry Seinfeld actually did this when he was writing jokes, which maybe he still is writing jokes. I don't know. So Jerry Seinfeld, famous comedian, if you don't know him, whenever he would write a joke, he would put an X over the calendar the day that he would use. And he would use a red X for it actually. And so the point of that is to you see the x on the calendar and you don't want to break the chain of those x's so it motivates you it's satisfying to continue going it's building that habit that routine that light switch flip that windshield wiper flip to keep going i also love using that tool because there's something extra special about externalizing that commitment and continuing to show up. That when we are all in our head, it's easy for us to justify it away because we have so many great justifications. We have a million justifications why, but it's like getting an accountability buddy, but we're using this calendar and this red X. 
So all of these things, making it obvious, making it attractive, make it easy, make it satisfying are all external factors. And there's internal factors that go into that too. And that's for another day. Yes. All of these external factors, though they be external, they are informing your identity, your beliefs about yourself through your habits, through your standards, through your boundaries and how you maintain those. Those are telltale signs of who you are and how you are and what you believe about yourself. They are all call signs for those beliefs. Hopefully you learned something today that you can take away and actually apply to your life today. Again, keeping it simple, right? This doesn't have to be this life-changing, huge thing, but keeping it small, right? Because those small things over time are going to give you big results.